so it's very rare, to the point of being almost non-existent in the case of classical literature, that you find a character that confronts and deals with and overcomes feeling like an imposter or being an imposter successfully. I feel like you have to delve a little bit more into the pop culture side of things. You know, in modern terms, things like the webtoons with Ripley in The First Night with the Duke, for example, who do that and have it integrated into their character arc in a way that they actually grow from it, and it's not just an excuse for them to flounder and everything, the way characters like Zhang Yun from True Beauty often end up doing. And to clarify, I love her character in True Beauty. I like her as a character, I feel like it's a very realistic portrayal. But it can be frustrating, in the same way it is frustrating, to watch a friend go through that and do the same thing over and over and over again because of it. Anyway, this is Caitlin and this is You Meet in a Cafe. And today we're going to talk about imposter syndrome and character arcs and what it looks like when it's handled well. Before we talk about it, we should reiterate what imposter syndrome is. Imposter syndrome on a chronic basis is that feeling that you as you are as a person are not enough. That there is something fundamentally wrong with you that means that you have to present as someone else in order to be accepted. This feeling comes for everyone eventually, but for some people, about 70% of people in fact, it comes chronically. And the thing that makes it complicated is that while it's a eventually a universal feeling, it hits everyone eventually in their adult life. It hits differently and for different reasons. And that all depends on things like culture, personal baggage, things about your appearance you don't like in the case of true beauty, financial status, things like that. It can hit you for a number of reasons. And because of that, there's no universal way to tell this story. So a lot of pieces of literature just don't. That's what we need to confront and celebrate, actually, when it's done well. And we need to acknowledge why a certain character fucks up, even when it's done well. Minth, I think, from... Laura Olympus is an excellent example of how imposter syndrome can completely destroy your life if you don't get on top of it. But I'm going to talk about Minth in the next episode because I want to talk about characters who are on top of their game when it comes to dealing with it. The Ripleys from the webtone First Night with the Duke. Because I feel like she's peaked tier example of feeling like an imposter and actively being an imposter in her case and doing the best with it that you can. And I feel like that in literature deserves to be celebrated. For background for the people who don't know, 
Ripley is the main character of a webcomic known as The First Night with the Duke, which is based on a romantic novel that I will admit that I have not read because I haven't been able to track down. That information is strictly from the fan base. Now, what Ripley's entire deal is in the main narrative of the story is that she has taken over the body of a, of a side character in a romance novel. And in her real life, she is a college student whose life is spiraling out of her control, who's gained quite a bad reputation for various reasons that, due to spoiler, I will not disclose, but that, depending on your perspective from what you see of college-age Ripley, may or may not be justified. It all depends on how you personally want to read it. I've seen the discourse go both ways. But Ripley's whole thing boils down to, oh, I'm a side character in this narrative. I don't have to be, I don't have to take advantage. I don't have to be anything because I'm a side character. I'm not worthy because these things in my previous life that I don't even know if I'll ever get back to. And that is her entire deal. But throughout the entire thing, she's very reactive. She's both proactive and reactive, as is appropriate to the situation. If there is a scrape that she has to get out of due to some misunderstanding or the general plot foibles you'll find in the average historic romantic novel, She's got it. She's on top of it. Even if it's her fault, which about a quarter of the time it is, because she wants to be the side character because she's afraid to take the protagonist for a lot of situations. She gets herself out most of the time. No one saves her. She... She's not afraid to ask for help but she's not above doing it herself either. She treats being a side character as a means of gaining agency for herself and living her own life. And she's still where I am currently in the webcomic mid-character arc. And I am fascinated to see where she's going. One thing I really like about Ripley is that she's very industrious. She works for the life she wants, even if she doesn't have a completely perfect, concrete idea of what that is. Her whole thing is, I don't know what I want yet, but at the moment I know it's not this, so I'm going to do this about it. Someone around me is suffering, and I have the ability to do something about it. This is what I'm going to do about it. And it's that level of agency I like. Like, agency even against uncertainty. Because Ripley inside her head is not the same Ripley that is acting. The Ripley inside her head is still like, oh, I'm a side character. I need to do this for this character because I need the plot to happen. I don't want to fuck up everything for for these fictional characters. Because plot... But, 
the longer she spends in this world, the more she realizes that she is her own person in it. The story's different now, just by virtue of her existence. And I feel like that is a great message to send to people. That, yeah, okay, even if you are an imposter, even if you're fake, so what? You still exist in this world, and the world is changed, likely for the better, for you being there. So you might as well do what you can with whatever skill sets you have to continue to make the world better. And with some of her interactions with other characters, I think there's also that important note of you can't change everybody. You can't fix, please, or satisfy every single person around you. And it's up to you to determine how much that matters to you. And it's okay if that answer is not at all, because you may not be antagonistic towards them, but they're going to be antagonistic towards you. And how much weight you give that is up to you. But eventually you will have to interact with it. And I think that's an important message to send to people, you know? It's more than a lot of the sort of narratives I got of well, it's your job to make peace, it's your job to be pretty, friendly, and kind. And those are all good traits, do not get me wrong. But I don't think that those are the only narratives that we should be fed. That it shouldn't take the entire world being on the precipice for us to do something. And a lot of Ripley's interactions, they're not world-changing, they're personal their private changes and she still has to decide how she's going to react to them regardless and she will work to create a better life for her and those she cares about no matter what and that's honorable even if she doesn't think she's good enough even if she doesn't think she's worthy she's still out here going for it and i can respect that i think that's something that people should go for but it's very rare in a protagonist And it's very rare in a Webtoons protagonist, which we will get into. It's also of note that Ripley is flawed. She is deeply flawed as a person, and that is a good thing. I feel like... A lot, of, a lot of authors feel the need to make their character perfect, to make it so that they never have a moment of a doubt, yes, girl boss, and that they do everything perfect all the time. Look how pretty they are. Look how precious and pure. They never have a negative thought in the world. <laughs> Not Ripley. Ripley has petty thoughts. She can get mean-spirited, and that's a good thing because it doesn't demonize feeling negative. She doesn't even necessarily feel bad that she feels that way. These are feelings that everyone confronts and not everyone is 100% pleasant all the time. But a lot of works of fiction feel the need to demonize not being pure cinnamon roll 100% of the time. What works with Ripley is that she's not like that. If you're being openly antagonistic to her, of course she's going to kick you between the legs. Of course she's going to sit there and think about what an asshole you are. She does not care. 
But she's not going to wish ill on you, and I think that is the distinction. She doesn't want bad things to happen to you just because she doesn't particularly like you. But she's also not going to weigh your opinion as more important than hers just because you're an uppity asshole. If anything, that is going to drop her opinion of you very, very quickly. And I feel like that is an important thing to learn from other people is how to weigh someone else's opinion and when their opinion should lose weight on you. When it should stop mattering. Another plot who handles imposter syndrome well, even if the character doesn't handle feeling like an imposter well, is Zhang Young from True Beauty. Zhang Young, having been bullied constantly for her appearance for most of her life, tends to cover up with makeup entirely, to the point where she looks like a completely different person. And that's not just opinion, that is the entire plot point. But it goes beyond just a funny gag, although it does tend to go into that too. It is a coping mechanism, and the plot treats it as a coping mechanism. To the point where friends she's had since high school, well into college, do not know what her actual face looks like. And that is an interesting idea. Confronting what it's like when this takes over your whole life, even if the rest of your life is going well. And seeing her overcome that is actually very motivational for me as someone who does not like their natural face that much. It is nice seeing someone go from, no one will accept me, I'm a monster, to maybe these people will accept me. Maybe I need to confront this. And maybe I need to deal with this. Because the thing about Zhang Yang is that she wants to get into the beauty industry, which is going to make that problem so much worse. But the plot is making her confront this. Because before she moves any further forward in her career, it's best to tackle that particular obsession now and get comfortable with it. Then five years into her career, when oops, her whole face is outed and now she's cancelled because she wasn't transparent and... smart move would be to spin the narrative your way. Do a, this is what my face looks like, made up and unmade up. And then, because she wants to be a makeup artist. So, what better sales pitch for your skills do you have than, this is what I've convinced you I look like, this is what I actually look like. Now, I'm going to say this. This is a lot that would require a lot more confidence than Jun Young has. It would require her to grow quite a bit as a person to get there, and I realize that. But it would be a smart move for someone in a similar situation. I also get the sense that that's more in alignment with what she wants to do as a makeup artist. 
The clients that we see her take on, she wants to build them up. She wants to make them feel better. She wants to do for them what makeup has done for her. And this is part of a branding concept. You're only going to get the clients you want by being out in the open as being someone who aligns with those ideals. If she keeps digging into the shallowest end of the beauty industry, the most face-level, literally, interpretation of how to make someone's life better, those are the only sorts of clients she'll get. And yeah, there's a lot of money to be made there. But I, from what we understand of her character, I don't feel that would make her happy. I think that would make her imposter syndrome so much worse. And that is one way you have to consider combating that, is aligning everything in your life with the ideal version of yourself. The ideal version of Jean Young, as she's presented, would be someone who is building people up through the power of makeup because that is how she's built herself up. She's building an entire life and identity around something she loves. She should be working to make it more accessible for everyone else, too. Make people feel like they don't have to have a certain baseline before they can look better, or feel better, or be more confident. She could be the spokesperson for that. But she has to gain the confidence to live her truth before that will become a door that will open for her. To accept a reduced-down version of the life you want is to accept a reduced-down version of yourself, and vice versa. Because one will always tie into the other, even if you don't feel worthy of one or the other. You don't have to choose a lesser version of what you want just because you don't feel worthy of it. It's challenging, you know, confronting who you want to be, but it's important that you actually do so. You don't have to be anyone else's ideal version of you, and I know that's such a cliche to say, but it's true. You only need to be the version of you that aligns with you, your goals, your ideals. And I really do appreciate seeing all these characters who are aligning to that. So for the next episode, we're going to talk about characters who did not handle feeling like an imposter well. People who let outside factors control how they felt about themselves 100% of the time. And why that didn't go so well for their narrative. But for now, let's focus on the positive. There are ways out from feeling like an imposter. Maybe not 100% of the time. Maybe you're still going to feel that way. But ways to counteract that feeling. And the first, biggest, and hardest step is aligning with a life that's not going to make you feel that way. 
You need to decide what has value to you. Not to someone else, not a life that looks good for someone else, but a life that looks good to you and what steps you need to take to get there. I feel Ripley and Jung Young are really good examples of how to do that. Ripley is still figuring out what she wants, but she's going to go after the things that align to what makes her happy, even if it's just as she's figuring out what those things are. Jung Young has known basically since she was 16 that makeup will make her happy. And she is looking to fill her life with doing that all the time as a career. And you don't even have to start big. Again, Jun Young starts with makeup. It doesn't have to be big. It can just be small things. What sparks joy for you? Start there and move forward. This has been Caitlin, and this is You Meet in a Cafe. I look forward to meeting you guys again, and I will talk soon. Bye!